I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, what's the Reformation about? We know that 494 years and one day ago, on All Saints' Eve, 1517, a monk and professor of theology walked down the street of Wittenberg, Germany, and nailed some complaints to the door of the castle church. Grievances, 95 of them, against indulgences. We know that that event set in place, uh, it, it, it launched a spark that set on fire the entire European continent with a massive theological debate, a debate that's still raging today. But what was that debate? What was it about? What was Luther teaching? What do we say when someone asks us, what do you Lutherans believe anyhow? There are plenty of different ways to answer the question. In fact, there's as many ways to answer the question as there are pastors preaching Reformation Day sermons this morning. But here's a few. One of the ways we could answer the question is to talk about the three solas of the Reformation. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura. Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. The church at the time of the Reformation had grace and had faith and had Scripture, but they were mixed with other things. They were not alone. It was, it was grace formed in acts of love. It was faith together with meritorious works. It was Scripture and tradition and the voice of the church. No, no, said the Lutheran teachers. We're justified. That is, we are declared forgiven, imputed with God's righteousness by grace alone through faith Alone, apart from our works or merit, through the Scriptures alone, not by the words and teachings of men. Those solas, those alones, are really what got the Lutherans in trouble. Another way to talk about Lutheran doctrine is to talk about the distinction of law and gospel. To point out that God speaks in two words. The word of the law, which tells us how to live a holy life and therefore shows us that we haven't lived a holy life. And the word of the gospel, which promises us forgiveness because our Lord Jesus lived a holy life and died a death for us in our place. This distinction of law and gospel is the most brilliant light that opens up the scriptures. And it allowed the law to burn in its in its full severity and the gospel to shine forth in its full sweetness. It allowed us to say that we are truly poor and miserable sinners, but we are sinners who are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Another way to speak of the Reformation is by talking about Luther's, Luther's own discovery of the gospel. He records it. He records it himself in his introduction to his Latin works. And I put that quotation from Luther on the green insert in your bulletin. You can read that. Uh, that's your homework. You can read it tomorrow on Reformation Day. It must have been winter, 15, 18, 15, 19. And Luther's there meditating on Romans 1, 16 and 17, where Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek for in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by faith. That word in the text there, righteousness, drove Luther nuts. 
He said, isn't it enough that the Lord demands all sorts of righteousness in the Ten Commandments, but then He comes with the Gospel and demands even more? Luther says his own confession, I hated that word, the righteousness of God, and I hated the God who demanded such righteousness. But then he paid attention to the words. The righteousness in the Gospel is a righteousness of faith, not of works. A righteousness that comes by believing, not by doing. And now this insight hits him like a ton of bricks. This isn't my own righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. And it's given to me as a gift, pure and free, with no strings attached. That's another way to talk about the Reformation. And it's good. And there's more ways to do it. Uh, in fact, in, in Bible class, we'll have a couple of more ways to explain the Reformation. But I would like to propose to you all this morning an explanation of the, of the Reformation that I think gets right down to it. It's as simple an explanation as I can possibly speak. And it is this. The essential teaching of the Reformation is, oh yeah, Jesus died. <laughs> it's just that simple. Oh yeah. Jesus died. If God himself is going to go through all of the trouble of becoming a man and being tempted in every way by the devil and tasting the weakness and sorrow of our humanity and take upon himself our sin and suffering and the wrath of God that we deserve and to die in agony, abandoned and naked, hanging on the cross and to be laid in the tomb, if God is going to do all of that, then maybe, just maybe, that should be reflected in our theology. So the church wants to sell indulgences. It wants to apply the merits of the saints for those sufferings for their venial sins in purgatory. It sounds good until you remember, oh yeah, Jesus died. And there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or we might hear the teaching that the infusion of sacramental merit, uh, by that infusion we're able to do good works to please God. Sounds good, right? Until you remember, oh yeah, Jesus died. And if Jesus had to die for me, then I must not be good enough to save myself. In fact, any teaching that would mix our own human efforts with God's gift of salvation, that would have us cooperating with God, or all of the revivalistic shenanigans that we hear about in the so-called evangelical churches today, such as making a decision for Christ, or inviting Jesus into our heart, or praying the sinner's prayer, or walking the aisle, or whatever, all of these false theologies and false practices run straight headfirst into the wall when we remember, oh yeah, Jesus died. You did not choose me, says Jesus. I chose you. He died because we cannot save ourselves. He did it and he did it all. Everything we need is found in him. There is in the Roman Catholic Church an affection for the Virgin Mary, which continues to approach idolatry. Jesus is the judge and Mary can pray for us and win his affection for us. This sounds nice until we remember Oh yeah, Jesus died. No greater love has any man than this, than to lay down his life for a friend. And even while we were his enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. Whatever it is, whatever teaching or practice in the church, it's run through this criteria. 
Through this principle, through this examination, through this simple statement, the death of Jesus, oh yeah, Jesus died. That in its simplicity is the teaching of Luther. The teaching of the Reformation. The simple teaching of the Scriptures. Here's how Luther himself says it. The first and chief article is this. That Jesus Christ, our God and Lord, died for our sins and was raised again for our justification. Romans 4. He alone is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1. And God has laid upon Him the iniquities of us all. Isaiah 53. Likewise, all have sinned and are justified without merit by His grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, in His blood. Romans 3. Now, says Luther, since it's necessary to believe this and it cannot otherwise be acquired or apprehended by any work, law, or merit, it's clear and certain that this faith alone justifies us. As St. Paul says, Romans 3.28, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And later, Romans 3.26, that he, God, might be just and the justifier of the one who believes in Christ. Of this article, nothing can be yielded or surrendered, even though heaven and earth and whatever will not abide and should sink into ruin. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, says Peter, Acts 4. And with his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53. And upon this article, this teaching, this assertion that Jesus died for sinners hands everything that we teach and practice in opposition to the Pope, the devil, and the world. Therefore, we must be sure concerning this doctrine and not doubt, for otherwise all is lost and the Pope and the devil and all things gain the victory over us. Got it? Luther. He says it a bit more simply another time. Like this. The cross alone is our theology. Oh yeah. Jesus died. And this, dear saints, is the teaching of the Scriptures. Hear the voice of St. Peter. You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish. 1 Peter 1. St. John, the apostle and evangelist, says this, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4. St. Paul, writing to Timothy, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. 1 Timothy 1. John the Baptist preaching on the bank of the Jordan River, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1. And Jesus Himself gives us this testimony. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Oh yeah. Jesus died. When the church forgets that, we forget everything.
When we, as Christian families, forget that, we have lost everything. When we, in our battle against sin and death, forget that, then all is lost. But this is really all that we need to know. It tells us all we need to know about ourselves. That we are sinners who are unable to save ourselves. Our salvation requires the blood of God. And this little phrase, Jesus died, tells us all that we need to know about God. God would not leave us in our sin. He did not leave us in our trouble. He did not leave us in our death, in our grave. He came to rescue us, to deliver us, to take away our sins, to bind open, uh, to bind up the devil and to break open the grave. So it is that any time the devil troubles you with guilt over your sin or with your utter lack of goodness, remember this, Jesus died. Any time the troubles of this world are piled up for you like a mountain, ready to topple over and crush you, remember this, Jesus died. When you are approaching the darkness of your own grave and your death draws near, remember this, Jesus died. Jesus died for you. Jesus died and there is no sin not forgiven. Jesus died. God is not angry with you. Jesus died. The devil's reign is over. Jesus died. You are his dear child. You are declared perfect and holy and righteous. Jesus died and heaven's door is open. And in life and in death, dear saints, you have nothing to fear. Nothing at all. Because, oh yeah, Jesus died. This good news, this comforting message is the brilliant light of the Reformation. It is the burning light of the Scriptures. It is the comfort of the Gospel that Jesus, for you, dear saints, Jesus died. And that's our comfort. And that is our peace. That is our life. And that is our hope. And that is our salvation now and forever. Oh, yeah. Jesus died. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.